welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It is episode three of season three. And today on the show, we have Noelle McFarland, who is one of the artists that will be featured on our showcase March 20th at the Basement East in Nashville, Tennessee. So tickets will be in the show notes for this. If you haven't grabbed those yet, please make sure that you do come out and support female artists in the industry in Nashville. It's always a good time. We put on a great show. I am confident in saying that we always put on a great show. Erin McClendon is the hostess with the mostest and she is just incredible she always picks good artists and so we're really excited about this showcase so please come on out again tickets uh, ticket link will be in the show notes for that so now on to Noelle McFarland. We have a special treat for you. She is releasing new music and actually you will get to hear this song, her new song, Joint Account. You can hear it here before you hear it anywhere else. So she releases it this Friday, but you can listen to it here on the episode and listen to her talk about the backstory behind it. So without any further ado, this is Noelle McFarland. No, I don't have much to my name. Neither do you, neither do you, that's okay We don't pay much for our wine But I toast to ya, toast to ya every night We're jumping on a moving train Before we know our destination And I wouldn't have it any other way Let's open up a joint account Baby, let's start forever right now I want a bet with love and now I'm trying to cash it out Let's sign above the dotted line We'll share our money and share our time Money no matter what comes after the dollar sign Welcome, everyone, to Paradox Jukebox. I am your host, Katie, and today I have the wonderful Noelle McFarland with me. How are you, friend? I am wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. Super excited to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I know that uh, Aaron is super excited because we have you coming onto the showcase on March 20th at the Basement East. Yes, I'm so, thrilled. That's going to be cool. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the showcase for, for a second, and then we'll kind of dive into some like super mm-hmm. deep stuff about you and your <laughs> career, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So uh, tell us, what songs are you performing for the showcase? Most of them at this point in time are unreleased. Um, and at the point of the showcase i think about half of them are going to be released so awesome. the audience the audience is going to get some like sneak peek debut performances which will be fun um a lot of them are, are stuff that i've kind of written throughout um my time at belmont a couple years back and and in the year in postgrad that i've had since then um and yeah, it's, I think they kind of represent me a little bit more recently as an artist. So I'm really excited about that. Congratulations. That <laughs> yeah. is super cool. That is super <laughs> cool. Awesome. So um, so have you have you gone into rehearsals yet with the Hellcats? 
Not yet. I'm okay. I'm a little excited. I'm still kind of working on my side of of the prep for that. Um, but I am really so looking forward to um, the all female aspect of it. Yeah. Um, because that's something as I'm starting to direct my own full band sets, I'm making it really important it's a really important um priority of mine to kind of diversify it and not only have white guys on stage with me you know <laughs> um and at, at this point at my age I can't always be the chooser in that situation and and I I'm playing with people that I love to hang out with and who I really respect and who are really talented um but that is my goal um as I grow is to be able to kind of just make it a great diverse fun group of people on the stage so that's something i'm really looking forward to that's awesome that's awesome uh so myself i've been a hellcat numerous times for the showcases and and i can honestly say that some of my fondest memories of being on a stage with musicians have happened at those showcases because yeah. yeah so so as you go into rehearsals like there's just there's a camaraderie there with all of the women who are exponentially just masterful at mm -hmm. what they do with their instruments. Um, so I know that Meg Williams and Lauren Horrible are playing. I'm not sure who's playing bass for you, um, okay. but Meg is a guitar player and she's phenomenal. Have you, have you seen her play yet? I haven't gotten a chance to, no. Okay, so she plays at Bourbon Street Boogie and Blues all the time with Jenny Teeter. So if you get okay. the opportunity... Go down there and, and you will see what Meg is all about. Oh, and then, absolutely. And then, of course, there's Lauren Horrible, who, in my opinion, is just one of the best drummers in Nashville. I, I cannot say enough about, about her as a person, but also mm -hmm. her as a talent. She, I, I've watched her play so many different shows and across so many different genres, and she is always, always, like, just killing it. And, oh, and I she's, believe it. She's super fun to hang out with too. So, and that's the best part about the people that you're collaborating with is just being fun people to hang out with. You know, that's that's the people that you're gonna keep calling when you have opportunities. And absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, you know, when it when it comes to like putting a band together and band leading, um, somebody that knows a lot about this is actually our our founder, Aaron McClendon. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that she actually created this all-female backing band was to mitigate the need for, like, set changes. Because, you know, it, once you get on a show with, like, multiple bands, there's always, like, you know, there has to be at least 10 to 20 minutes to allow for, you know, the, the flipping of a stage. Right. And, and in that time, you end up losing your crowd. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she wanted to go for the all-female backing band, but also to create a space for female players to really showcase their abilities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's something I've always really admired about what y'all are doing is it just the it's just the girl power. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love yes. it. Yes, it is. It is hardcore girl power. And we're we're very <laughs> proud of of being able to create that space for women in the industry in Nashville because it's hard to find. Yeah. It is oh, really yeah. hard to find. So. So as you know, as you just you just graduated from Belmont mm -hmm. in 2021. Yes. 
And now that you are like fully like immersed into the real like whole world of Nashville. The real world. Yeah. Right. The real world. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the challenges that you faced, uh, you know, just finally getting immersed into the scene? Yeah. Leaving the Belmont bubble. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I will be the first to say I think I kind of fell asleep for a year after um, after graduation. And I think a lot of us kind of realize that post grad, especially in with a creative degree where we didn't necessarily have a nine to five right right after graduation. Um, A lot of us are still waiting tables and working our barista jobs. And um, it's I, I think I had to recover from burnout for a few months and I tried to just let myself do that and not beat myself up too much about it. Yeah. Um, and there was a time period where I just needed to get excited about music again. And that's where I feel like I am um, now, where I kind of just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? It's time to DM the people I've been wanting to DM for eight months and it's time to send those emails and get stuff done. Um, and and text my friends who are doing who are playing the places that I want to play and asking them for an email address. And it's crazy because the things that that took me 10 months to do ended up taking me 36 hours to book, you know. (laughs) Um, And so it's it's really exciting to just feel that passion for music again, because when you go to school for it, I, I loved everything that I learned at Belmont and all of the people that I met and all of the performances I got to do. Um, but when you study it, it, it's kind of the first experience that you have of music kind of becoming your work. And that's a dangerous line to toe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I had to recover from a little bit of burnout, but where I'm at now is is that excitement and that fire in my eyes again, um, and, and really excited to kind of promote and create things that um, that show the growth that I that I experienced while I was there. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on on you know wading through that water. It's it's tough when you're facing hardcore burnout from you know from four years of just all music all the time. Mm-hmm. No time for you to actually like like give yourself the space to process your burnout. So I'm. Um, oh yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, well, you know, I should just push through it. Well, the thing is, is your mental health is so important to take care of. And you're probably in a much better place right now to finally, you know, start really picking up, you know, steam rather than trying to push through that burnout and continue to exhaust yourself. Right. And that I think that's going to show in your creativity as well. I think I love the things that I'm putting out so much more than anything I could have written, you know, while I was staying in bed all day, sure. <laughs> and, um, like just kind of working my, my service job, um, and kind of powering through, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it shows when you're excited about what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about where you came from and your journey in music that led you to Belmont. Oh yeah, I came from a lot of places, Katie. Awesome. <laughs> um, I love yeah, it. so I um, was born in Kentucky, um, spent some time in South Carolina during elementary school, and that's where 
I discovered Love Story by Taylor Swift and got my first guitar. I'm of that generation. Yep. Who, um, I was listening to her. I was like, man, this girl, she has a guitar and writes songs about boys and being lonely. So I want to have a guitar and write songs about boys and being lonely. <laughs> um, and so that was my introduction to this world of songwriting, which I was already doing. Um, without a guitar. I was already making up songs and writing the little lyrics in my Hannah Montana notebook. Um, but yeah, I learned guitar, um, moved up to Connecticut for a couple years in middle school. And that's where my parents started. Um, they started kind of putting me into talent shows and you know, is she really talented or are we just her parents, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to trying to kind of validate that. Um, and I that's where I um, entered this all ages talent show that I was the youngest by far. I was like 11 or 12 and I ended up winning it, which was really affirming. All right. <laughs> um, and I there were a couple girls that were a few years older than me. And one of them, her name is Molly Bowers. She ended up going to this school in Nashville called Belmont. I was like, oh, there's this city that's all about music and there's a college there where you can study songs. Um, <laughs> and so that was kind of my first, the first little ping in my brain that that existed. Um, moved down to North Carolina where I learned to drive and went through high school. Um, so that's kind of what I consider my hometown. And that's where doing paid gigs kind of became my income as a high schooler, which was a pretty neat job to have in yeah. your teen years. Um, and yeah, I just kind of started taking it more seriously. I would travel to Nashville um, for NSAI things and, you know, recording an EP that I did. I toured Belmont a couple times while I was there. And I ended up applying to a few schools, but I think in my heart, I was always committed to Belmont. And I was always going to make it work no matter how much debt I had to go into. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I sent it, I ended up moving out here to Nashville um, in 2018. And I remember when I, when I was moving on campus, I was like, you know what? I, I know myself as an artist. I know my sound. I know who I am as a musician. And it took about a week for me to scratch all of that. Cause I, <laughs> I started hearing all these new sounds and all of these different people from all over the country. Uh, and I was like, man, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate. And so that kind of, I think that's the biggest shift that happened during college was me going from this foundation of country pop lyric writing to, um, you know, I don't know if that's actually the kind of music that I want to put out. You know, I, I really evaluated what my voice sounds like and what I grew up listening to. And it wasn't country. That was just kind of my introduction to songwriting. So I had to do a lot of recon learning about country. Um, but I grew up listening to classic rock and nice. soul and funk. Um, and so that was still kind of showing a lot in my songwriting. So I kind of learned to really embrace that part of my sound um, yeah. up until now. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I grew up with a with, you know, a background in like classic rock and mm -hmm. even like golden oldies. Um, and so, you know, I think it's so interesting that you know, sometimes as, as we progress through our journey, we will kind of like find ourselves going away from those sounds that originally influenced us only mm -hmm. to come 
back around to them again eventually. Oh yeah, I used to, <laughs> I used to put my foot in my mouth at gigs a lot in high school where I would call them old people songs <laughs> because I used to <laughs> I eventually turned that into songs that are older than me. Um but I yeah, when I was a kid, oh my god, I hated to admit that I liked that stuff. You know, we'd be in the car and my dad would always have it on the classic classic rock channel. And I'd be like, Dad, I don't want to listen to your music. <laughs> I wanna listen to my music. I wanna listen to top 40. And, you know, I growing up was admitting that I actually kinda liked that music. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, it it's so funny because like when you when you grow up on your on your parents' music and even sometimes like in my case my grandparents' music, all of my friends in high school thought that I was super weird because like in marching band we'd have to play the song Hey Baby right, mm -hmm. and we would sing it on the bus, but everybody only knew the chorus and I knew the entire song. Of course so, you did. <laughs> and then of course all my friends are like what how, how do you know this like what are you 80 and i'm like inside oh yes i i am an 80 year old woman inside it's true <laughs> <laughs> yep i remember i used to play i used to uh watch beat shazam with an old boyfriend in high school and i would win at like we would kind of play along and i'd win every single time and he got so mad at me that i knew so many songs and i was like this is literally my job dude i have right. like it's my job to know all of these songs correct yes i get paid to do this right <laughs> oh that's awesome all right so um on your bio it said that your first paid gig was at a dairy bar <laughs> in connecticut at the age of 12. yeah I have to know about this. That sounds yes. It sounds so adorably wholesome. Oh, it was. Shout out to Hank's Dairy Bar. They had yes. great ice cream. It's in Plainfield, Connecticut. They had great ice cream. They had a really good lobster roll too. Ooh, yeah. um, it was like it was one of those little hidden hole in the wall gems, like a stand up. You walked up and you ordered. Um, and they had this really beautiful patio in the back. And part of that contest that I won. Um, one of, I think I kind of got on the radar in the music scene there and, um, got a gig. I think it was like $50 cash plus half of the tips because I shared it. Um, I, like this guy would play my breaks, um, and we would, we would split the tips and I got free food and free ice cream. I remember the first gig I played there. I, it was a three hour set and I didn't know anything about stamina or endurance or I was belting my heart out 15 minutes in, oh, and, gosh. you know, and I didn't know anything about that. And so like an hour or two in, I was crying. I was so, I was so frustrated because my voice was cracking. I was like, I didn't know I couldn't sing, you know, my heart out for three hours straight and, you know, kind of have to shift the set um, dynamically. And I remember my dad was like hyping me up. He was like, you committed to this. You know, you got to sing the whole set. You can do this. You sound beautiful. And my best friend at the time, who was also 12, she like grabbed my shoulders and it like shook me a little bit. And she was like, after this, you get free ice cream. And I was like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I ran back to the stage. I and I finished it. that set. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a real, that was my first experience kind of like taking requests. Um, and I ended up playing throughout my whole time living in Connecticut. That was one of my favorite places to play. That's amazing. That is so cool. So as a 12 year old, you were able to take requests. Kind of. Um, I, and I still do it to this day. It, that was kind of where I learned, you know, if you don't know the song, 
figure out what similar artist you know and kind of it's kind of a negotiation right um, right but yeah that was kind of my first crash course into like you can't always play what you want you know you can't always play the track 10 from the obscure taylor swift album that not really everybody knows about right um <laughs> and it's still a lot of things flew there um but i really started learning that especially when we moved down to north carolina and i started really doing it as a job and you know these um these managers of these restaurants and bars were like hey we can't have you just playing to the bartenders we got to have you keeping people and bringing people in um and you gotta we gotta keep them buying rounds and stuff and so that's where i was learning okay people want upbeat things people want what's popular on the radio people want songs that they know and can sing along to absolutely there's there is a a full business behind being a cover artist mm-hmm and it's so funny because, I mean, I've been playing cover shows since I was 12 as well. Uh, mm -hmm. The first band that I was in, we were an all-girl group, and we did, like, 1960s girl group songs, right? Because yeah. we could <laughs> sing in four-part harmony. Oh, awesome. And so it's, it's so funny because, I mean, I'm now, you know, 34, so I've been doing the cover artist thing for 20 years. Right. And, and it's so interesting because there are so many artists that, like, when they when they finally get build up that confidence enough to be like okay I can perform in front of people, then it's like okay I can perform in front of people, but now what do I do? Right, right. I f I feel like there could be an entire course on cool. You've mastered singing and playing your instrument. Now what? <laughs> right now you, you know? got to know your stuff. You got to do your research. When I in the first month or two of moving to Nashville, I had a I had a friend who was doing the Broadway circuit. Um, and playing pretty much every weekend. Her name's Amanda Daughtry. Um, she she works in, in radio now. Um, and she got me some fill-in Tuesday lunch gig at a, um, Alan Jackson's bar downtown. Nice. And they are um, very adamant about classic country. No pop country, no bro country or rock country or anything. Like, you got to know the classics. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and I remember spending the whole month just studying, like learning my, um, you know, Willie Nelson and my Waylon Jennings and the stuff that I didn't really grow up on. But I mean, that's the difference between a $20 tip request and not knowing it, you know? Absolutely. Um, and it, it's Broadway is just a whole different ballpark um yeah. and i respect those musicians so deeply um because you really have to be a human jukebox up there you know you got to know everything you do and and even if you don't completely know like the request that's being asked like so so many times um there are musicians on stage that say like your bass player doesn't necessarily know the request but as long as you can be like hey it's you know this key and it's like a one four five and one, six yeah, minor yeah you know knowing the theory behind that and just being able to pick up and go and mm -hmm. create a baseline at least that is you know within the key and maybe you get lucky and you land on the actual baseline that's in the song right you know and I think a lot of people go you know go down Broadway and go through all the, these bars and they don't realize that a lot of those bands some of them have never played together before that night you know right. they're just mashed together and they just happen to know all the same songs because it's it's a job down there right so right. Uh, that's fascinating to me same so i i live in ohio and i i lived in nashville for about a year and a half and and every time that i would come back 
you know, people would be asking me like, you know, what's it like on Broadway? And I'm like, it's crazy is what it is. <laughs> you work your butt off. And if you're lucky, you make decent tips, which can, you know, end up being a decent night's, you know, oh, earnings. Yeah. But then you'll have nights where, there, where you make nothing, you mm-hmm. know, hardly uh, except for your base pay, which if, if you're lucky, it's 50 to 75 bucks, right. you know, for three to four for- hours worth of music. Yeah. 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 And everybody is just so shocked that you don't really make a lot of money playing gigs in Nashville and you have to go to the to the outer lying states to actually make a livable wage. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that um, I joke about sometimes is I, I would come home during college and that's when I'd actually do gigs. That's when I'd actually play gigs at the places that I did growing up because I always joke, you know, it's funny, but I make more money outside of Nashville as a musician than I make money. It's really hard to make money in Nashville as a musician because everybody comes, you know, you right. you come and you play guitar and you sing. So what? Yeah. You know? So is the person next to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. The, the, the barista, like literally like in one coffee shop, every single barista is more than likely a musician. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, All my. To- yeah. Where I work, it's, you know, half of us just throw a dart you're gonna land on someone who who is a musician of some sort so absolutely so okay so that's cool so um you know and talking about like you know owning your craft and and being able to actually like build a business around yourself like you you also have produced your albums as well so that's that's a part of your skills as a musician can you talk about like some of the production work that you've done on your music and like where you did it. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't say in terms of like audio engineering, I'm quite up there with uh, to the point that I would release something I mixed and mastered myself. But True. I have always been in the in the booth with the producer and anything that I've I've worked on. I am very much a creative perfectionist control freak where I want to be part of every decision. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even now the the singles that I'm working on, um, it's, it's kind of an email back and forth where I'm, I'm making some musical decisions. And I am also so receptive. I, I, the people that I choose to work with are people who I want to hear their opinions yeah. too. You know, I if if I have a weird dumb idea, I want them to tell me, but I also want to be able to say those weird dumb ideas out loud. Yeah. Um and vice versa. And so I I always like to to um really be a part of just little music decisions like you know, if, if I have um, a guitarist kind of make a pass of little call and response riffs to just kind of enhance the song throughout, I like to be the one who's kind of choosing where that riff goes. And, you know, I, and the reason why that riff goes there that nobody else is going to think about. But to me, it just makes perfect sense to put that riff there in the second verse versus in the bridge. Yeah. Um, and with with these songs specifically that I'm working on that I'm going to roll out this year. I've had a lot of fun with with these songs in terms of um, it's the first time that I've tried to think of things musically that I can't do live because I think the recording art, the art of recording is so much different than the art of performing. And in in records, in projects in the past, I have always, it's felt just kind of like recordings of what I would play live with some extra instruments. Yeah. 
and with these with these songs i'm having a lot of fun adding little sound effects and little um little vocal riffs in the end that i wouldn't have done live that you can really only do in a recording it, it just makes it its own thing and, it, and it's it's really fun creatively for me to kind of experiment with that that is wonderful and i'm i'm so glad to hear you say that you that you want to have a hand in everything that is involved with your music because a lot of times you know, artists will go into a recording studio and say, okay, here's the guitar part and here's the vocal part, here's my lyrics, make me a song, yeah. right? But there's so much more that you can dive into in your artistry that that comes out in the production process. Mm -hmm. And And it's so funny, I've been taking a workshop, like literally I'm in the middle of it this week, and it's all about, you know, honing in on your sonic footprint as an artist. Oh, yeah. And 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 the art of production that really cleans and polishes your songs so that it becomes a completely realized idea. Absolutely. And I think a really good example of that is um, a song that I we already have mixed and mastered and I'm probably going to release in early summer, late spring. It's called Security Blanket. And I, I have this idea about songwriting where I want it to be a good song when it's just me and my guitar. Yeah. But I also often when I'm writing with just me and my guitar, I have a full band idea in my head. I'm, yeah. I hear the track, the completely realized, fully produced track in my head when I'm writing that song. Um, and so when I approached this producer, his name is Tone Deaf Productions, he, um, I, I kind of gave him some reference tracks and I told him how I heard the bridge in my head. Um, and in the demo, it's just me and my guitar and I'm playing the guitar a little extra loud. But when he came back with the track, it was exactly what I heard in my head when I wrote it in the middle of the night, like very quietly so I wouldn't wake my roommates up. <laughs> you know? um, and it's just so, that is just the most rewarding feeling to not only be able to, to work with someone who kind of gets the same instincts that you get and to be able to hear something in your head fully realized, um, but also to kind of be able to articulate it the way I want to as well, which I, which is something I think that I, some really valuable knowledge that I learned while I was at Belmont is how to, how to translate ideas to words um, right. and kind of a, in a productive and um, clear way, I guess. Right, learning to speak the language. Oh yeah. Cards we've been dealt But nobody else, nobody else knows our tale
Yeah, well, in in the language of music, really is its own language. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's more than just putting together chord progressions and you know, and a set of really amazing lyrics. It's you know, learning to talk about frequencies and and plugins mm-hmm. and you know, understanding that like the use of certain microphones will lend themselves to these frequencies, whereas this set will learn themselves to this set of frequencies. You know, absolutely and. When I was when I was learning a little bit of audio engineering at Belmont, I I never had the idea that I was going to professionally be producing things, um, but I I did I didn't like the idea of having a musical idea and being completely at the mercy of whoever I was working with to hope that they translate it the way that I want them to. Right. I wanted to be able to be very clear and educated in expressing what I wanted and what I heard in my head. Um, and I and I want to be able to keep up and um, know enough, know enough that I'm not completely outsourcing everything in my music. And that goes for audio engineering, that goes for management, that goes for graphic design. Um, I, I really tried to kind of become a well-rounded artist so that even when I do outsource, I'm not completely relying on someone else. That's so smart. It's yeah. so incredibly smart. Just Just to know enough to be able to you know to speak all of those different languages i mean just Mm -hmm. studio language marketing language and management language i mean that's that is a really intriguing part of being a entrepreneur who is also a musician i agree i agree and and aaron and i have you know we've written a, a few blogs and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast about how musicians especially women need to take a stronger role in their own career Mm -hmm. and a lot of that is not necessarily it's not necessarily because we just don't have the know-how it's some of it is conditioning and being told oh well you don't need to do that you know this this individual will do that right right so it's it's so important that we each like step up and take that part of the responsibility of our own career to be like no I want to know the why behind what you're doing right. and I want you to I want you to like e- email me, let me know what's happening, like keep me informed so that you have a hand in your own business. Right. I agree. I I think there are two sides to that coin as well because I think it's turned me into a control freak <laughs> <laughs> and a perfectionist and kind of a workaholic where I'm honestly, people are, you know, my parents and my support system are begging me to ask for help, <laughs> like sure. outsource some of my stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I do think it's really valuable to kind of have your fingerprint on everything that is associated with your name and your career. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so in talking about this, this fingerprint that you have, you know, in your, in your music, um, the, the first single that you're releasing is Joint Account, correct? Yes. Okay, and so you're releasing that on February 17th. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me about Joint Account. Like, what is this song about? 
Yeah, it's it's a fun little it came from a writing prompt. Awesome. Um, it my my partner of almost three and a half years is a creative writer and writes short stories and novellas and novels, that kind of thing. And we throughout college used to do a weekly what we called output period where we would spend an hour just writing anything. It could be bad. Um, but it, we kind of, I would compare it to like an, a gym buddy or like a, a workout partner where we set aside the same time each week to write in our respective crafts. And one week we decided to use the same prompt and see what happened if we wrote from the same prompt in our different mediums. And uh, we just used one word and it was called, it was a joint, which could go anywhere <laughs> there yeah, are a lot sure. of different directions that could have taken um, and my partner I remember they wrote this story about a guy getting out of jail um talking to his girlfriend so he you know he left the joint and then they were smoking a joint talking about marriage joint marriage um and it, their approach was kind of using all of the different kind of meanings that you could use with that word. I took one and I ran with it. Um, and it was this idea of a joint account. Um, and this almost financial marriage of um, like, let's open up a joint account. Let's let's share all of our assets. Let's share all of our secrets. Let's share everything we have together. Um, uh, you know, it's just a cute little love song, and I and I wrote about a, I wrote a verse and a chorus in that first hour, and it ended up being a lot of fun. And um, I took it to my friend Josie Edwards, and she helped me kind of write the second verse and bring a new direction to it. Um, and it ended up being one of my favorite songs, and it really kind of it really kind of added a new it took my sound in a new direction where it was a little more funk and soul influenced. And oh, so really? that was kind of a setting stage for a lot of the stuff that I wrote afterwards. That's awesome. So talk about the production. So what kind of elements are we going to hear? You're going to hear my, the thing I'm most excited about is the horn section. Right. I think that's the biggest addition I've made to my sound with these, uh, with these singles. Um, so I have, um, the pitch horns playing on it. So um, AJ Huang, um, Michael Daugherty, Davis um, Gen Jin, I have only seen his name in writing. Um, <laughs> but they are just incredible saxophonist, trombonist, um, trumpet. They, they just bring the song to life. Um, and yeah, it's just a really groovy, fun, romantic song um, that I, I had a lot of fun producing and I have so much fun playing out live. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of share it with the world. That's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, okay, so then I have to tell you because you've got Lauren Horrible and Meg Williams playing for you. They're uh -huh. gonna they're gonna lay down the funk. It's oh, gonna yeah. be good. I'm it's gonna so be excited. It's gonna be groovy. Oh, <laughs> that is so exciting. Oh, I'm so sad I'm gonna miss this. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I won't be in Nashville when you guys have the, the showcase, but uh, hopefully hopefully somebody can grab some video for me or something. Oh yeah, we'll have you there in spirit. Yes, for sure, for sure. Well, that is super exciting, and uh, I cannot wait to, to hear the release of this. But uh, because Noelle has graciously uh, agreed to this, she's actually going to let you guys listen to it here on the podcast. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so you'll hear it here before it actually gets released. So thank you so much special. for that. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is that is awesome. I'm I'm super excited to listen to it after our call today too. So cool. Yay. Um okay, so maybe talk about like one other track that you're really excited about for your releases this year. Yeah, so I already mentioned Security Blanket. Um that is something that lyrically is probably one of my favorite songs right now. Nice. Um that could be some recency bias, who knows? But <laughs> I it's a really interesting concept. I think I've been reflecting a lot on being in my early 20s. I think there is nothing that unites a group of people as much as being in your early 20s. That <laughs> is so just, real. <laughs> we're all walking around like chickens with our heads cut off. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how our rent is getting paid. Like we uh, there's it's just such a uniquely unifying experience that I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a moment at some point last year where I was just kind of looking around in my bedroom. I was like, man, I, I paid rent for this room. I have I have bills to pay. Since when did my name, uh, since when is my name on a lease? <laughs> when did this happen? When did I grow up? Um, when was the point of no return where I was an adult and I was no longer a child? And so I started writing this letter to my childhood, kind of like a breakup song addressed to this concept of youth and childhood um and asking like when did you leave me how did you how did you do that without me even noticing mm. um and then i i brought it to my friend katie jacobs who is just so so talented and i remember her kind of bringing me this new perspective that i didn't even think about where she was like oh i know exactly the moment i had to grow up i know exactly the moment of my childhood where i could no longer be a kid anymore and i was like that's wow <laughs> that's poignant you know yeah. i i have friends who had to grow up really like way too soon um and and there's an exact moment where you kind of you feel that switch and yeah. so i was like well maybe i'm lucky for that reason um and it kind of explores those different you know those different thoughts and reflections that come with experiencing adulthood for the first time and it's just really near and dear to my heart um lyrically and and my producer really brought it to life and so that's another one that i'm really really excited about and I'm, I'm trying to roll it out right around when this class of graduates start coming out into the real world yeah I think it'll help them a lot oh <laughs> for sure yeah that that is such a beautiful concept and what i what a poignant thing to think about is you know i'm trying now i'm trying to think back like when when do i remember that switch getting flipped for me mm -hmm. um but I feel like I feel like I was still in college when it happened. Yeah. Um, college was a very tough time, but um, that's that's such a beautiful thing. And I think it's really beautiful that you want to release this right around the time that Belmont's graduating <laughs> class finally, you know, enters the world. Just yeah. to be like, here you go, guys. You know, <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> it's gonna get be ready. okay. <laughs> get ready. We are all just as confused. <laughs> right. Your twenties are such a humbling, humbling time. I mean. It is, it is truly, like people say, it is the perfect time to fuck up and make yeah. all of the mistakes. I definitely did. And <laughs> now that I'm in, I'm almost in my mid-30s and I'm looking back at my 20s going, God, I was stupid, you know? Um, <laughs> and but, I think, and we think we're so smart, too. Right? <laughs> like, I think I know everything. <laughs> right, exactly. What well, and. And then you, and then I, it will happen. You'll get to your 30s and you'll go, I didn't know jack shit back then, you know? <laughs> 
But that's also a really amazing experience to be able to look back at a decade of your life where you're like, okay, I learned some shit, right? Yeah. I lived, yeah. I lived some life. I learned things. And now I know, you know, like I, you'll be able to look at situations and go, mm, <laughs> right? You'll, you'll just, you'll end yeah. up making better life choices for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard to see that when you're in the middle of it. Um, But something I do really appreciate about myself is I don't think I ever wished away my childhood. I think even when I was in high school and in middle school, I knew enough to be like, I'm really lucky right now that, you know, I'm not paying my own bills and Mm -hmm. I I have a lot of freedom to mess up right now. um, And I'm, I'm not trying to grow up too fast. And I'm really grateful that I had that perspective on life and I'm still trying. I I don't know that I still have that perspective. I think I might be trying to grow up a little too quick now. Um, But, but I am really grateful that I tried to kind of stay present throughout high school. There's a balance. You can, you can definitely do both, right? You can, you can be the adult that pays the bills, keeps, you know, food in your, you know, fridge and clothes on your back and, you know, a car payment if you have one. (laughs) But, but then as creatives, you know, there is still going to be that want and that need for that, that childlike imagination that helps Mm -hmm. bring our songs to life. Oh, yeah. So, well, you know, good luck with finding your balance. It, you know, you will, you will absolutely find it in your time because it's your journey and nobody else's. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the wisdom. <laughs> you know, I'm, I am, if anything, I am here to just be like, hey, don't do what I did, you know? <laughs> well, you seem to have turned out great. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making a lot of jokes. I mean, I, I, did some cool stuff through my through my 20s but you know personally yeah I made stupid choices but right um (laughs) but yeah I and and I I think too for for me this year especially well really I guess it was it was last year uh because now we're in 2023 but last year was a there was a time for me to kind of look back and reflect and go you know what I actually did some cool things Mm -hmm. it was really tough but I made it Right. And now look where I'm headed, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, this podcast has been a big part of that. Music on the Move is a big part of that. And and also, you know, my band. But it's, I think the thing that I learned the most from last year is that mm-hmm. my journey is mine. Mm-hmm. And nobody can tell me what's right. Yeah. Because it's mine to live. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Live your journey, girl. You're doing it. Listen, I'm trying. <laughs> that's, it's that's wonderful. Um, okay, so one more thing that I that I really wanted to to touch on is, um, uh, and I'm I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I I really want you to dive into what it's like being a part um, of of the deaf and hard of hearing community. Yeah, so I was born with something called microtia and atresia. Um, which is basically a malformed, underdeveloped ear, um, most commonly in the right ear, which is what I have. Uh, Basically, my ear canal is kind of filled with tissue and my ear kind of never really opened up. So there's just kind of a little bit of skin there. Um, And a lot of people in childhood either get that reconstructed or they get um, a hearing aid called the the Baja, the bone anchored hearing aid. Um, and it sends like 
conductive sound waves through your bones um, because oftentimes we still have those eardrums. We still have all of those little bones functioning in there. It's just literally, I call it the world's strongest earplug where the sound waves just aren't getting in. They just aren't getting there. Wow. Um, and so I, I think life just kind of kept happening, especially with us moving around. I saw a lot of doctors. I, you know, we considered a lot of different reconstructive um, surgeries and hearing aids and that kind of thing, but life just kept happening and we kept getting told like, oh, this will be better when she's a few years older. Um, and I think I kind of got to the age where I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm functioning pretty well. Um, and I kind of like this about myself. I kind of like having an icebreaker, um, a conversation starter. Um, I like being a little bit different. Um, and yeah, so I just never really got it reconstructed. And um, that's not always the case with, with adults my age who have microtia. Um, I ended up getting a little music rest tattoo behind it um, to kind of represent silence. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there's, there's this online community um, called Ear Community um, created by Melissa Tumblin, who has a daughter with the same condition. And it started out as just wanting to find other people on the internet um, who have this condition or have kids with this condition because there's not, most people have never heard of it. Right. And, um, and then it, now they're in, you know, they're going to DC and lobbying for, um, you know, laws that, that give better insurance coverage for, um, for kids who need those hearing aids who can't afford it. Um, and they're doing incredible work. They, um, they host picnics and get togethers all over the country every year. Um, and I've gotten to play at the Nashville once a couple of times. And it's just, it's a really beautiful community that I've gotten to be a part of. And I, and I love getting to talk about it, especially on social media, um, and kind of raise awareness about it and just kind of, um, you just get to talk about what it is. And, and I also learned some sign language in, in high school and did a big old senior project about how deaf and hard of hearing people enjoy music and how, you know, music is still for people who can't necessarily hear it. They, they like to feel it and they like, and we like to dance. And there are a lot of people with one ear who like to sing and make music. Um, yeah. We just have to, you know, make sure the in-ear monitor is shaped for the right ear. Correct. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. It's it's an extra thing to be really passionate about, especially through my music. Wow, <laughs> that is so cool, and I mean, yeah. so so interesting. So so okay, talk about like with the inner so. Can you hear anything at all in your right ear or, or none at all? So I have the function. I have the function of hearing. There's there's neurological hearing loss, which means that your brain isn't really processing that sound. Um, and then there's mechanical hearing loss, which means that some the sound is kind of being blocked in some way, but your brain is still able to process that sound. Okay. So I have mechanical or conductive hearing loss where my the sound waves are literally just getting blocked. Um, they're just not getting past where they should normally go through the ear canal. Um, so it's usually sounds that are really high pitch or loud, like an ambulance or like sirens like that. Um, I can usually feel, not necessarily hear, but I feel them. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really funny because when I plug my ears, I just plug one ear because this one's already as plugged as it's going to get. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll just have one hand on the side of my head. Um, 
or yeah and and then there's these this bone conduction technology where they have a hearing aid for that which i've fortunately never needed there are a lot of people with my condition who do need that mm-hmm. um i i've i've gotten by with just kind of sitting on the correct side of people in loud environments or walking alongside them all of my closest friends and partner in my family all know to stand on that side of me um and uh yeah and so i have these headphones that i i sometimes post about on my social media that are use that same technology where it sends sound waves through your cheekbones and when i was 17 i got to hear music in stereo for the first time i'd only ever heard it in mono and um there's a video way deep down on my instagram of me of me hearing a song in stereo and i almost fell back i was i was like y'all you guys have airpods in your ears every single day listening to this and it's not magical to you like this is insane (laughs) this is insane um yeah so i definitely do have that function it's just some extra technology i can't if i'm editing my own music i can't really do panning it's really a visual thing for me sure Um, i remember taking some audio classes where i had to I had to kind of talk to the professor about that. But what's interesting is I never wanted to be completely exempt from those assignments. I wanted to figure out a way around it. You know, I, I, I was like, no, I still want to know. You don't have to not give the quiz to me. I just want to figure out how I can recognize that panning or pan a song a different way, maybe visually. And that's that's when I sat down with a professor and, and he told me that usually songs are panned based on where the band stands on stage and you can do it that way or, um, yeah like i just i i would hear like if a guitar got a little bit more quiet that means it was probably playing in my right ear mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and so i i just wanted to figure out ways around it rather than be completely exempt from learning those kinds of things that's amazing yeah that's amazing wow good for you that that is so interesting yeah i i've never heard of um of this happening to anybody before i mean mm-hmm. like you know as musicians we hear a lot about people going deaf you know over the course of the career or getting tinnitus so bad that they cannot play music anymore you Mm -hmm. know Uh, that unfortunately happened to a professor of mine uh, back in college I was actually graduated but his his tinnitus got so bad that um, we ended up losing him to suicide because he couldn't handle it oh wow it it was like and he was he was a uh, piano player yeah and it got so painful that just barely touching the key it was like sending electricity straight to his brain and it it was so painful for him so it's it's incredible that you know the the brain is is really just a wonder because sometimes we we don't always have explanations for why things happen Mm -hmm. but you've you know you've made the best of it and and look at you 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 know you're you're playing your music for this community i mean that is (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah, and and it's so funny because they they I'm so thankful for their support. They like love to share my videos and um you know share some of the the projects that I do. And sometimes they'll throw out words like inspiration and like inspire. And I'm like, any ins- any inspiration or confidence that I'm giving to this community is just a direct result of what you've given me, like just the empowerment and the confidence. And it just feels so silly to have that word associated with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's really I have such a soft spot in my heart for like deaf culture and heart. And I, I am nowhere near fluent in sign language, but 
Um, I, I am really well read on deaf culture and I love to be an advocate for it. Um, and just this making music accessible for hard of hearing and deaf people. I mean, you hear stories, I don't know if this is actually true, but I've heard this legend, this anecdote that Beethoven would like kind of rest his head on the piano even after he went deaf and based on the different vibrations and the conduction, he kind of still memorized what things sounded, what, you know, what sounds felt like. Um, and, you know, you hear of these like vests that where there's deaf choreographers who kind of chore choreograph to the vibrations through their chest. Um, and, you know, the best accessible place for deaf people at concerts is front row, right yep. where they can like touch those speakers and feel the bass. Um, and it's just all very fascinating to me. And I, and I love being able to kind of dip my toes in that, that part of the music community. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, there was a, I think there was a TikTok video about this, uh, this woman, her, her son was deaf and, uh, she was going into the grocery store to get, you know, some stuff. And so he wanted to stay in, in the car and crank up the music. Right. Uh -huh. So, so she gets all her groceries, she comes out to the car and all of these people are like walking by the car and like <laughs> looking at her son, like what is happening in there? And he's in there like going right. at it right he's having the best time he is i mean it, 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 the speakers are just right, you know, they're, right, right. they're bumping he was listening to an npr station <laughs> and he didn't know god love him and his mom had to come in the car and be like sweetheart oh my god <laughs> but he was like you know what i don't even care i was having a great time because everybody yeah. was making was just like what <laughs> So, I mean, oh, it's so funny. It's so, just just an amazingly cute story. But yeah. I, you know, I going back to what you said about, you know, this this community looking at you as an inspiration. Don't shy away from that. That <laughs> is a beautiful thing. That is such a beautiful thing. Thank because you. here you are, you are in. See, the thing is, is like the people are identifying with you. Right. Mm -hmm. You're all in the same level. And you have you have overcome you know not being able to hear out of your right ear you're, you're and, and you're a musician to boot so it's not like you just listen to music you actually <laughs> perform it right that is that's a beautiful thing so embrace that part of that's so kind you know, of you thank you yeah no that it, it's that is a beautiful story and i really can you know i continue to hope that you know you you embrace that and you take it in and you use it as part of your journey because what what an amazing story you have thanks so much i'm very grateful to to have it <laughs> yeah for sure well i unfortunately i think that's just about all the time that we have but noelle thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and talking about your music we're so excited to have you on the showcase yeah i'm so i'm so so thrilled to do this and and to have talked with you today well thank you so much and and congrats on all of your singles that you're about to release we will definitely yes. be looking for them on music on the move and we do a uh we do an, a new music friday playlist mm -hmm. every friday so once you release your singles please let us know so that we can put it on the playlist absolutely you're gonna be the first to know awesome <laughs> awesome perfect well thank you so much thank you Thank you.
All right. Gosh, I love that song. It's got such a cool vibe. Noelle, thank you so very much for coming on the show. We cannot wait to have you on March 20th at the Music on the Move Studios Showcase at the Basement East. Again, tickets are in the show notes. So please go buy some tickets. Go check out our Patreon and our merch store. And also, while you're at it, please check out Noelle's links as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking a listen. We will be back next week with another artist that we're featuring on the showcase. Until next time, keep rocking and keep supporting indie music. Ballad, ballad, ballad.